0: Welcome back to another episode of Hail to the Buff. Uh, it has been a little while since uh, we last spoke to you, and by we, I mean me, but I'm working on it. Um, I just wanted before we get started with a great interview with Byron Kerr, where we um, break down what was, you know, ine- inevitably the complicated feelings of winning in an IT championship. Um, I want to just let you know that Hail to the Buff is back. It is in website form now uh, at Hail to the Buff Um, We are assembling a team of writers, a handful have already joined Don and are working on their first projects. Uh, But I want to make sure that you know that you can join us and also that you should keep an eye on hailtothebuff.com where we're going to start adding blog posts. Um, Podcasts take a little bit of time, they take time to schedule, they take time to record, they take time to edit, to mix, to upload. Um, So I'm hopeful that uh, with a team of writers, we'll be able to give you more information, help uh, compile the best of the internet, help compile the best analysis from some of the better GW fans, and be more active, more consistently, um, but still retain uh, what is my passion project, and that is this Hail to the Buff podcast. Uh, I will get right into it with uh, Byron Kerr, play-by-play analyst for George Washington Basketball, really phenomenal friend. And great guy uh, who was there courtside for what was a an, an exhilarating uh, and, and complicated run to the NIT championship. Enjoy, Byron. Let's let's talk a little bit about the let's let's stick small and we'll broaden broaden ourselves here and and let's talk about the fact that George Washington and I understand there were close games. There was a close game against Hofstra. There was a close game uh, against Florida. But GW in that final four, those NIT semifinals and championship, you know, bar, that that first half against Valpo, notwithstanding, George Washington was head and shoulders against their opponents. Um, what what is it about this team? Um, you know, there's a million and a half questions I want to ask you, but let's start with this: uh, How did a team that looked at, at sometimes inspired against Virginia, uh, at sometimes completely? Um, Discombobulated against a DePaul, how did they pull it all together for this? These two games in Madison Square Garden and look like a team that, uh, you know, especially against SDSU, had a, a sterling record this past right. season, um, and, and they they just took them apart. That they looked like a Sweet Sixteen team in in Madison Square Garden. How how did they get from from all of the ups and downs of this season? How did they finish on such a high?
1: You know, it's the seniors. I think it's Kevin Larson. I think it's uh, Joe McDonald, Patricia Garrido, and Todd or Kavanaugh. You know, and the team getting together and saying, you know, uh, you know, we can win uh, this tournament. We've shown in the past we have the ability. You know, through the coaching staff that we can we can win of uh, you know big games in tournament atmospheres. We can beat other teams in our tournament draw. I mean, you look back at the last three years and under Lonergans. Tutelage, this team has I like to say it, I like to call it they've medaled in three straight years in tournaments. They they got a bronze, if you will, in Anaheim a couple of years ago. They get a gold medal in the Diamond Head Classic in Hawaii, and then they get a gold medal in the NIT. So, you know, this staff has an amazing ability of breaking down the other teams that they might face. You know, I remember it in the bus ride uh home from Monmouth, the coaching staff, you know, calling out. You know, Florida and Ohio State, and, um, I guess maybe it was on the way because that game was between, but either way, they're calling out possible future opponents and, you know, uh, breaking down, you know, who's going to work on which video. Mm-hmm. So they are two or three steps ahead of everybody else as far as planning for this tournament. And, uh, you know, I just think, I just go back to the core of those seniors and, you know, Matola. You throw him in there because he he's a senior too, a graduate student already for crying out loud uh, you know they were never rattled in any of those games that they played and you know Hofstra made the biggest run at the beginning and that you know that first game is always tenuous. Saint Bonaventure against Wagner uh, those are scary moments because you you know it's hard to get into the feel of a tournament sometimes that first game, you probably remember that from your days of playing that, uh, you know, things can go either way. I mean, are we are we all in, or, or are we going to just play this game and, you know, go back to, to our, our school and move on to get ready for the end of the semester or whatever? And, uh, you know, 80-71 to 71 late in that game. Hofstra scores nine straight. Uh, they look like uh, the regular season champs that they are, and Matola makes a big shot to, to squeeze through. And uh, as you said, you know, they really were dominant uh just completely undressing uh monmouth on their home floor. They had no answers. King Rice had no answers for what Lonergan was doing and mm-hmm. the defense. We were much longer. The length you know, people don't give GW I think enough credit for the length that they can put out on the floor with the six ten, six nine, six eight two guard for crying out loud, six six three of, uh, you know, even McDonald, uh even if he's six one, six two and I think he's 6'2 now because he took a picture with me and I looked, I thought I was one, and he's much taller than me. <laughs> so that terrifies me. But anyway, uh, you know, he's a, he's a big guy as far as strength goes. Yep. So he can knock people off the blocks as well. So it was a big, strong team. The starting five, you know, could put, go up a match against any other team and you started to get some bench points, some big shots from guys off the bench as the tournament went on and people, you know, snooze at, oh, it's five points, big deal. But, you know those two possessions when the bench scores five points, whether it's a Paul Jorgensen or a Matt Hart or even a Jordan Roland, Anthony Swan, and they hold. You know uh, the opponent, they keep the the score even for those two or three minutes. That's all those starting five need to try to get through that first half and then move on. So you know they came together as a team, and you had, uh, and that's what championship teams do: is you have some unlikely people. Uh, you know, making a difference down the stretch, and and I mean, that's what I believe is the core of, of this team was the seniors. They were never rattled. You know, I had a, a, a Twitter follower um, who I had met in uh, Hawaii named Ross Eisenstein. He's the play-by-play announcer for Ohio, mm-hmm. and he had a great tweet back to me during the game against Valpo, and said, "Look at how calm and collected this GW team is as they bring the ball up the floor. There's no panic." whether they're down five or they're up five. they run the offense like a machine, uh, you know they run their defense, they attack on defense, and uh, they just, you know you never had that feeling that they were rattled in that, in that atmosphere regardless of what any team was able to do to them. and they were just way better than their competition in, in their draw on the NIT and uh, you know they were able to put it all together for, for five games. It was pretty amazing.
0: Now, now, Byron, I, I want to sort of break this down because you mentioned something that I think a lot of fans have noticed, and that is that GW, and I, I said it to a couple of friends of mine, GW might have, I think, the best record on neutral floors against non-conference opponents. You know, we talk about, uh, you know, the the way that they've meddled, and at first I thought you were saying that, like, it was like that Scooby-Doo, like, oh, if it wasn't for you meddling kids from George Washington, <laughs> Creighton would have won in the Honda Center. Right. Um, but, um, you know, meddling is in gold, silver, and bronze. Um, GW has a tendency, whether it's UVA on your home floor, or Wichita State in Hawaii, or Creighton in the Honda Center, or now the NIT Championship, GW has a tendency under Mike Lonergan, um, and, and frankly... You know, you can go back to the Carl Hobbs days with GW doing surprisingly well in BB&T Classics. Um, GW has a tendency to perform well against non-conference opponents, um, it, 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 on neutral floors especially. What is interesting to me is that I think that you can watch George Washington basketball, especially under Michael lonergan and you're going to watch the tape. And you're going to know that GW runs a flex style offense. They play man defense. They work in a one three one. They don't press that much. They right. you know they don't do a lot of uh crafty things, save that token one three one. And for whatever reason, when they they have a tendency to catch non-conference opponents off guard, just like when you see you know that 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 hot shot pitcher who comes out of the, you know AAA and just starts mowing down batters when he's seeing them for the first time. But when you put them up against a Phil Martelli, when you put them up against a Mark Schmidt, when you put them up against a Chris Mooney, uh, a ten coaches definitely seem more familiar with with GW basketball and is it a question of preparation are our non-conference opponents just not given enough time to watch the tape or what it, it, or is it a mental thing for GW where A10 games like your Richmond's and your VCU's and your St. Joe's and, and those games uh, for whatever reason GW seems less if not dominant then um, opponents seem less surprised what is it about that non-conference uh, for GW versus what has been much more parity in the A10 season?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, the easiest way to answer that question, besides you know GW being a good team, is is their conference they play in. I mean, the Atlantic 10. You know, you know, Mike Lonergan always says you know they don't get the credit that they deserve, and a lot of people say, oh, that's you know just because that's your conference, but you go out and you face the Mountain West. And, you know, there wasn't a team that was better than GW in the Mountain West. I mean, Fresno State kind of looked like VCU a little bit with the athletic ability they had. They were able to beat San Diego State twice, but that was it. And GW finished fifth in their conference, and they beat the regular season champion, you know, Mountain West Aztecs of San Diego State, you know, on a neutral floor. Uh, they beat the Horizon League champion in Valpo. They they take down the CAA champion. They take down the MWAC champion in Monmouth. And I just think that other teams in other conferences don't play. Uh, you know, the, some of the most more aggressive and, and in your face, you know, type things that you see with uh, an A-10 team, and the athletic ability of each individual player, there will be five guys that can do it all uh in the starting five of an A-10 team. Whereas if you're playing a Valpo, maybe three of their five guys are really, really good. And the other two are average or, you know, a mountain West team or something like that. They just don't see this kind of uh ability from uh, a conference team. And, you know, they they get fat in their conference playing teams that are not as good as the sixth or seventh team in the A ten and those teams are the second and third place teams in their conferences. So they think, oh wow, you know, we are the best in this in this league, but it's just not the same. And, you know, that one three one is just overwhelming with Uta and his long arms at the top and the way they trap the corners and and uh you know, I saw it in the Wichita State game, I saw it in the San Diego State game. They just could not handle that defense from GW—it was just too much. We've never seen anything like it. And uh, there is, there is a, uh, you know, as I keep going back to the Terminator machine-like precision of the offense. You know, the uh, the Colonials have several different ways to beat you on offense. They can go inside when they have the big seniors, or they can go outside. Uh, they have Garino who can slash. They have McDonald who can slash. You know, uh, that is something that you know is too much for some defenses to handle and you know uh, a hat tip to the to the game planning a hat tip to the strategy because uh they they have outcoached teams as well uh now it's something that people don't talk about too much they've outcoached teams they've made you know uh changes at 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 halftime um you know phil martelli was one uh, coach that was able to to beat them by changing things but you know I can't think of any others that that can do it, or maybe uh you know VCU because of their athletic ability. very few teams can pull that off. You know you play Saint Bonaventure at GW, you have a different result, I believe you play Dayton at GW, you have a different result. Um, you know the unbalanced schedule can help you and hurt you in, in different years because there's so many teams in the a10 and I, and that just go back to the fact that this conference is very good.
0: Byron, the, the, the hardest question I think to answer is assigning a letter grade to this season because the highs were some of the highest we've seen in years, if not decades, for George Washington basketball. And, and the lows were pretty low. Um, you know, that Richmond loss at home was a low. That DePaul game I watched on television and was just emotionally devastated by it. It was brutal. Um, so when you are taking, when you're analyzing, uh, you know, by virtue of the expectations for this season, does an NIT championship, it certainly softens the sting of not making the NCAA tournament, but can you give this season an A or an A minus if it didn't include an NCAA tournament?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, when you first brought that up, I was thinking A minus was probably what I would say, um, you know, but that goes to an argument as well. Would you rather, right, uh, right. you know, lose a, or play one game in the NCAA tournament on true TV? Or would you rather have the run they did against, and you know, NIT teams that either were regular season champions or, um, you know, were top 70 RPI teams. And, uh, you know, they go from a mid sixties RPI before the tournament. Now they're number 35 or something like that overall. So it It hurts. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, you feel like, you know, if they had had one more win that they would have been in the tournament and you know, because of the run in the NIT, you feel like this is definitely a sweet 16 team because you see some of the talent that made the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. And you definitely, if you looked at GW's uh, team, you could say they could definitely match up with, you know, 60 of the 68 teams or something like that and beat them. So, um, that, that means to me sweet 16 and, uh, yeah definitely they had the ability and so you go back and it it, you know it's a it's a b plus with extra credit or it's an a minus with a heartbreak because uh you feel like this team um you know had the potential to be that sweet 16 team in an ncaa tournament if not for some unfortunate uh, unfortunate um ill-timed losses to you know a 200 plus opponent here or there and um you know uh not winning that one extra game they needed, you know, at the end. But then redeeming themselves like no other team has really, uh, very few teams have ever done. And to go all the way through the NIT and not give up, I mean, uh, that's a great legacy as well.
0: You know, and and so when you talk about just that one extra win, it really does feel like it was one fewer loss. Um, you know, and 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 frankly, there's also the, the, the challenge of scheduling. Um, you know, no one has ever expected that Rutgers would be a good basketball team. Um, I'm not sure that people would have assumed that beating Rutgers meant that you were hanging a, 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 an RPI 300 plus albatross around your neck and that you'd be, uh, you had just beaten one of the worst power conference teams in, in basketball history. Um, so, you know, bad, bad luck in some ways. And, and really, but I, I do go back to that, that DePaul loss, that St. Louis loss and that Richmond loss. And I really do believe that you take away any one of those three games and, and you're a team in the tournament.
1: Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, and you know, you were watching those games on TV and um I remember being there and, you know, the St. Louis one kind of sticks with me the most because late in that game you, uh, I think the game was tied or you're down one or yeah, I think it was tied and you, you force a turnover the minute left, you know, on your side of the floor and you missed a couple of free throws that normally you, you think you would make at least. And then, uh, you know, Mike Crawford hits that three out of the corner. And uh that the uh, bus ride back to the hotel and that meeting they had after that uh during dinner was was one of the tougher times of the whole season. That Richmond game at home, that was one of the more most difficult, you know, drives home drive home after those games. You felt as low as you possibly could low you could feel for a team as good as GW was.
0: Yeah, and this is a team that got their first ever win on vcu's home floor and when they got that win in Siegel center i thought we're good it's all you know what i mean it's it's done we're safe and uh and 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 so it's that feeling of what could have been that makes and frankly byron like it's one of the most difficult feelings to know that um it almost feels worse that gw didn't have to work that hard to, to win in those semifinals and, and, and championship game uh, because they, you, you got a glimpse of just how far they could have gone and that it, it's one of those, the most mixed feelings. And I'm thrilled for this team. Don't get me wrong. And I think I am so impressed by their wherewithal, by their commitment to the, to, to the seniors, by the game plan. I'm, I'm so impressed by the way that they have taken that national exposure and ran with it. Um, so many good things. And also that really frustrating reality of, um, these guys had the capacity to do, uh, I really think, go into a second weekend.
1: Yeah, it hurts. There's a part of it that hurts, and, uh, you know, um, because of the talent they have on the floor, because of, you know, they had a solid player who could do damage at every position in the starting five, and, you know, that's that's what uh, stings sometimes, and you think about all those games... uh, you know that if they had any one of those three games had gone the other way i mean mm-hmm. they would have had that opportunity then you know they were close in the second half against st joe's before the steamroll occurred and um, you know a lot of teams would have you know would have just thrown in the towel at that so if they had lost to hofstra or they had lost to monmouth on the road you know how would you feel compared to the way you feel now right. And you know uh but yeah there's always a what if if you don't you can't go farther you know there's only what 30 teams in in pro conferences there's 350 or so division one college basketball teams so there's a lot more variables involved and a lot of thing, a lot of more things i believe a lot more that can go wrong <laughs> and so to see them win you know 28 games when uh you know they had some unfortunate bounces or or some closeouts that didn't happen uh it's still very very special but absolutely there is a there is that feeling of of what if they had been slotted a certain different way and had been able, and that, that's what drives, you know, Mike Lonergan and this coaching staff. That's what drives them, you know, to the next step. They want to be an NCAA tournament team. They want to get some wins uh, for the first time since 2006 in an NCAA game, and that's what motivates them day to day.
0: Byron Kerr, you have softened the sting, uh, the, the man that we all go to for solace in times of, 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 of trouble, uh, the man that, whose voice uh, lulls us to sleep, at least when GW's playing on the West Coast, The man, <laughs> the man who narrates all of our lives deep down inside. <laughs> Uh, Byron Kerr, thank you very much. I'd love to have you back on to start looking forward. And I also want to make sure that we have the opportunity. We've gone a little bit over time. I want to give the seniors their due, and I'd love to have you on as the guy who really was there for virtually every game um, to to really to contextualize. Um, there have been a lot of very good classes that have come through, you know, the Jarvis era and and even well before then. Um, you know, you think about that uh, that Mike Hall, Pops Mendesabansu, Omar Williams group. Right. Um, but I really do think that this Larson, McDonald, Garino group definitely cemented their legacy. And with the addition of Alex Matola, I want to be able to take the appropriate time uh, because they deserve the opportunity to really talk about their legacy. So I'd love to do that with you. And then it's time to start talking about another season that'll be starting even before we know it uh for those who are listening uh thank you so much the next episode will actually be an interview with myself and uh ncaa or gw commit kevin marfo uh that'll be coming up soon uh but byron i'd love to have you back uh, as soon as possible and uh, continue this conversation and thank you very much for your time man
1: appreciate it david raise high
0: hey and uh good luck to the nationals but not too much luck <laughs> in the nl east all right, right. Touche. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you for uh, listening to the reborn, the 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 phoenix, the for like you know the ninth time of hail to the buff. You can follow <laughs> us on Twitter at hail to the buff, or go to our new website hail to the buff uh, And if you haven't seen the call, we're looking for new writers. We're looking for people who can also host their own podcast episodes. Uh, I asked Byron if he could do it, but I told him I wouldn't pay, and he told me to screw off. So uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> That's that's actually not true. That's not true for all those people who actually take me too seriously. But uh, thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon.